Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Statz. Welcome to another episode of Board Gaming with Education, and I am your host, Dustin. We have another interview episode for you today, but before we jump into that interview, where we talk with Zach Hartzman from Halison Games, he has a lot of great resources on his website to apply some video game lessons. So it's a little bit different angle that we're approaching this week on Board Game with Education, where we look at some video games and applying those to a learning environment or to your classroom as well. But before we get into that interview, I want to talk about a couple things. We just got back from the Moonlight Board Game Festival. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. We got to meet over 20 different publishers in Asia. Jay at Cardboard East helped us to navigate that conversation and interviewing with those publishers. He really knows the market here in Asia, and he's really helpful in figuring out or understanding the different publishers and the games that they put out each year. So be sure to go to our Facebook page if you are interested in that at all. And also, we are getting ready to launch Worlds XP. So we have the prototype finished. We are still looking for playtesters. So if you have any classes, maybe you have a short summer program coming up and you want to try adding some gamification to your class or to the summer camp or summer program, reach out to me. Be sure to send me an email and that's podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com or you can find me on a lot of different social medias like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and that's either Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games. So we're looking for a few more playtesters to try out the kit, see if they have the same experience that we've had with the kit in their classes or their learning environments. So the kit is meant to provide stronger classroom culture through RPG storytelling and positive reinforcement through earning experience points. So it's a way to motivate students to learn by also integrating learning objectives into the RPG stories, build a really strong relationship through the storytelling and the choices within the stories. There's also items that you can use that you may discover in the story or you unlock with experience points. All of it works together really well. We'll have more information about that, but you can always go to worldsxp.com to sign up for our email list and we will keep you updated on when we make new updates to the gamification kit. And we want to thank our Patreons before we get into the episode. So the first one, Getting Geeker with Gamerleaf, he passed the three-month threshold of becoming a Patreon. If you are curious about the Kickstarter scene or the tabletop Kickstarter scene, be sure to check out his podcast. He puts out episodes three or four times a week. So check out Getting Geeky with Gamerleaf if you're curious about Kickstarter and new games launching on Kickstarter. And we also want to thank our most recent newest Patreon, wbpress.org. So they are a tabletop gaming with a purpose. So they use modern analog board games, role-playing games to enhance social and academic learning. So check out their site as well. And welcome to our Patreon supporters. So if you are wondering how you can support Board Game with Education, maybe you're a longtime listener, you've been around since the beginning, you can go to boardgamewitheducation.com backslash support. There are many ways to support the show. One of the best ways, maybe just leave a review. If you're happy with what we do, leave a review on your podcast app. There's also other things you can do by joining our Patreon or also by purchasing any games through our website. We earn a small commission at no cost to you through our Amazon affiliate 
partnership. All right, but that's enough of some introductions. Let's jump into the interview. So welcome to Board Gaming with Education. We have a very special episode for you today. I'm here with Zach Hartsman. He is a high school teacher and English language teacher to newly arrived immigrants in New York. And this episode will be a little bit different than what we normally focus on with Board Gaming with Education. Usually we look at board games, but we never want to rule out great opportunities for how games and learning might interrelate. So Zach is actually the content creator. He designs different lessons based on video games. And I found him through Reddit, and I was really amazed by the lessons and the content he has on his site. So Zach, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast, so I'm really excited about this. So I'm a high school teacher. I'm in New York City. Um, specifically in the Bronx. And the school I teach at is dedicated for newly arrived immigrants who come here um, basically regardless of their age and start high school over. So even if they're 22 years old, they can come here and kind of start in ninth grade. Um, So that way they can learn English and go through all four years of high school to get their diploma. Um, Specifically, I'm a history teacher. I've taught global. Currently, I'm doing United States history. Um, and in that I embed teaching English as a second language into the content that I have to teach. That's awesome. I know I have a lot of probably questions related to English language learning because that's my background as well. And I'm sure we could compare notes. Yeah, and you're out in Taiwan doing it. <laughs> right, right. I think uh, I've done some uh, English language teaching in the States, but more uh, after school programs and also volunteer work. So never in a classroom. So we're going to get into uh, your website, Hey Listen Games. But before we do that, we always ask our, our guest, when was one time you learned something through a game? I'd love to talk about learning through games in school. I don't remember any time any teachers I've had used board games or video games at all um, when I was a student. So specifically, I'll talk about... Um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, because I think I was six years old when that game came out. And that game is a monster for a six-year-old. And I remember my older brother and I, he was eight at the time. And it's really the first time the two of us did any kind of cooperative work together, because um, we're always constantly fighting. Um, but with that game, we really sat down and had to discuss where we're going to go next and try to figure out the next step to beating the dungeon or beating the final boss of the dungeon and so on. Um, Cause there was like the internet was still in its infancy at that time. So it was really just the two of us learning how to work with each other, which I now try to bring into my classroom, getting them to work cooperatively. Yeah, that's awesome. I think games are great at bringing about some collaboration and learning too. I think there's a kind of a stigma in games and education where it's, where it's not good to, add that competition but i think games really do provide some healthy competition and some collaboration like you just mentioned even in your as a kid you were working through a video game with your brother and figuring out the puzzles and how to get through different stages in the game have you heard of the game have you heard of the game overcooked i have i have yeah that's uh on the switch 
Exactly. So, and it, recently I was at a conference where people t- were talking about how psychologists use overcooked with their clients and getting them to work properly with each other. So that's something I'm thinking about bringing into the classroom at some point. Oh, that's awesome. I've only played it uh, a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't really my game. I kind of got bored pretty quick. Um, I think I worked in a restaurant for about 10 years. So I think that kind of, that kind of game, that theme is a bit all. Okay. Okay. See, I've never been a waiter. <laughs> so how would you say you, your site is all about video games and, uh, the Hey, listen games, you create different lesson plans based around video games. Do you think you use any board games in your career or your life at all? I've, when I taught about different economic systems last year, I did use Monopoly and I would change and change the rules based on if we were doing capitalism, communism, feudalism, and so on, which is fun. So going forward, I will be teaching class in economics next year. So I'll probably do the same thing again. But that's really the only chance I've had so far of teaching with a board game. In my personal life, I'm really currently into code names. Me and my friends play that constantly. That's a, that's a great game. You should also check out Trap Word. It's by the same same company, and it's another word party game. It's a lot of fun, too. And there's one game I recently learned about. It's called Eco Chains. It's like building a food chain in the Arctic, right? And you have to take into account climate change and whether or not the ice is melting and how it affects the food chain. It's a card game, which I'm looking to potentially get one of my science teachers, the science teachers at my school to use next year. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to have to look into it. Eco Chains. I know there is also a company that makes science-based games called Genius Games. I don't know if you want to look into that for your science teacher as well. So I had a chance. I've been looking at your site or I checked it out the other day and I'm kind of glancing at it now. And you have a lot of great lessons i'm looking at one you have super smash brothers putting evidence in context a lesson in creative writing with what remains of edith finch super mario odyssey having fun with culture you have i saw one about foreshadowing everything is foreshadowed also it's okay to fail sometime that one's not up yet that one's coming soon (laughs) oh it's coming soon okay so something to look forward to. It's okay to fail sometimes. I think that is a very popular idea in education recently. Does that have to do with like the growth mindset where we learn through our failures and mistakes? Yeah, because in New York, we have the regions exams. And for our students, the English regions is really, really tough. And it usually takes them three, four, potentially five times um, to pass it because English is not their native language. Um, so I always, for the past two years after t- the region's exam, I would have students play this game because this game is all about failure and overcoming failure and how it's okay, right? If you don't succeed the first time, you get up and you try again. And that game, Celeste, in general, is just that, in my opinion, that was the best game of last year. I'll have to look into that one. I know I, it's it's a big challenge here with the IELTS, which is the, it's like an international English certification exam as well. And students just i i don't know any student who's taken it one time and they were happy with the results they usually take it two or three times and even then sometimes like four five six it's i know it's a challenge for a lot of students so where did the idea of hey listen games come from so i've been teaching currently my fifth year teaching and you know video games like when i'm not teaching i'm playing video games they're basically my life and i've wanted to find some way to get into the video game industry 
Um, but I also didn't want to sacrifice teaching and education because I really like doing what I do. And I've dabbled here and there trying to incorporate video games into my classroom from time to time. And I'm always looking for ideas online or talking to people. And what I always come across is that is recommendations. People saying, oh, you should use this game like Civilization or you should use Portal or you should use The Sims. And that's all great. But what's never available is the actual lesson plan that details step-by-step exactly how you can use that game in your class. So I figured since I was doing some of it myself, I might as well create a website and make these resources available to people with the lesson plan, with the worksheet, with the slides. Um, And then beyond that, actually explaining how it goes in my class. And looking so people can see and see how I make changes and alter and modify and adapt as I go forward. Yeah, I mean, on your site, it's really great. You have just the list, a short little picture of the game, what the lesson plan is about. And then you just go to the lesson and you can check out the lesson plan and the handouts and the presentation as well. Like you even have the the PowerPoint presentation with it, which is really great. And then there's also a classroom section where whenever I make a new lesson, I'll explain my thought process and my rationale for choosing this game, what I thought of the game. And then whenever I actually teach a lesson with the game, I'll explain how it went in class with a student sample of the worksheet that they completed. And I'll talk about the pros and cons of well, went down in the class. Well, let's let's get into that. What are some positives that come from using these games and some challenges maybe? I'll start with challenges. The challenges are always the technology. <laughs> so like me personally, I have I have the, I have a Nintendo Switch, I have a PlayStation 4, I have my personal computer, and I have I personally have the tech available to teach these lessons. I know a lot of people don't in a lot of schools don't necessarily have even a screen that these things can be attached to. Um, So that's always the challenge in terms of trying to get other people to experiment with video games. Positives, the kids love these lessons. They're by far, throughout the year, the most engaging lessons that I have um, in terms of every student's paying attention, every student's participating. And not even, not every student needs to be playing at once. It could be them taking turns while, while one or two students play and the class watches while taking notes and having conversations about what's happening. And it's also great just keeping your lesson types diverse because you don't want to teach the exact same kind of lesson every single day because the kids get bored, right? So when you keep things fresh, be it a video one day, a, a game a different day, read a primary source a different day, a secondary source a different day, right? As long as you keep that rotation going, they, they stay engaged instead of just reading articles every single day. And the, the novelty of it also. Right? They've never actually seen a teacher use a video game in class before. So just that idea keeps them completely focused on what's going on. But it's amazing. And, you know, we're best when we teach with things that we love. So when I teach with video games, I'm, I am at my best as a teacher. And when I'm interested in something, right, that's, that spreads to them. Right? When I'm interested, they're interested in what's going on, even if the content itself is pretty boring. I think that's 100% true. I think uh, that is one of the most maybe motivating factors are our our students really pick up on how much effort we put into our lesson planning and our teaching yeah and our energy is contagious right right and i was sitting in a conference a couple weeks ago and the the presenter she uses educational psychology background and she was talking about how 
they ran an experiment where one class, they presented worksheets. They were just black and white worksheets with just text. And the other class presented a worksheet with images, colored worksheets, and how much more engaged and how many, how much more the worksheet was completed with the images and the color worksheets versus just the black and white worksheet. And that's, I mean, that shows like if you just put in that, that little extra effort. Yeah, even with the color. If I, even if there's just a little color on any of the worksheets, my kids are like, oh, this is a special lesson. You have color today. <laughs> We only have one colored printer in the whole school, so it's not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> right. And it's easy for us to to kind of show that in our lessons when we're doing something we love as well. I want to kind of touch on something you said about keeping the lessons fresh. I think also it helps to engage different types of learners too. I think some learners, in most cases, games just are are crazy engaging. It usually works for most students in class. But some students might need to watch a video while, and they learn better that way where some students kind of need to cooperate with their classmates. And some students are more motivated to do those different things. I think it's always, always great to, to find different ways to engage our students too. Yeah, and especially a number of these games like Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons or Florence or Gris, Right. There's no actual spoken dialogue in any of these games. It's all visual cues and body language, right? Which everyone understands. Right? Anyone can look play those games regardless of what language they speak and understand the story or the lesson that the game is trying to teach you. Right? So they're not for our students, right? Spoken English. Some of them are better at reading in English, some of them are better at listening in English. Right? So finding something that is accessible to every single student in the room is always a win. Right. Yeah, I think that's 100% true too, is, especially for language learners. I mean, I think it goes into different content areas too. Do they just, our students, and we all have different abilities and their stronger strengths in some, some ways than others. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about like what does one of these, like if I were a student in your class, what would I expect from one of these lessons? I basically, I, I have two different kinds of things here. Some lessons are based on content, while others are more conceptual. So for like history, since I teach a United States history course um, this year, global history last year, the first, first video game I ever used was Battlefield 1. And it was just the opening segment of that game, which revolves around the Harlem Hellfighters. And it's just one fight. And the entire point was to show that how gruesome World War I really was and how you were not expected to survive if you actually went out on the front lines. And that lesson was just a one-day lesson about this specific piece of content. And same thing with the Republia Times, which is all about propaganda and manipulating newspapers and headlines. That is a game that really is just one day for a specific piece of content about what we're currently studying in class. Then there's more other conceptual ones like Super Smash Brothers, which you mentioned earlier, where a lot of my students will look at a graph and be able to exp talk about the numbers that are in the graph, but aren't always the best at explaining what caused the graph and what caused the numbers to actually occur. So do you, I'll explain very, very briefly this lesson. So we would, it would be me versus one student in class one-on-one. -on -one. But I would rig the game 
so that they can defeat me way, way, way more easily than I can defeat them. All right. So obviously they won and they won four or five times in a row. And they, the whole class would make a graph based on that percentage. And then they'd have to ex- explain what the graph meant. All right. If you just look at the graph, it would say, or it would seem like that the student was the better player since they beat me four or five times in a row. All right. But they have to put that number in context which was that I had rigged the game from the start, right? So it's to get them thinking about the background instead of just parroting whatever the numbers in the graph say. And then we also, I also have an advisory class. This is popular in New York. I'm not exactly how sure how popular it is elsewhere, but advisory is basically a period twice a week with a group of about 12 to 15 students where it's more personal check-ins, how make sure everything's going okay. How's it going in their life? How is their work life? Because a lot of our students have jobs. So a lot of these lessons are more for socio-emotional health, like Celeste, which is about getting over failure and how it's okay to try again, or about Gris, which is about dealing with grief and going through the stages of grief. So I try, I'm trying to dabble in a bunch of different areas. I'm hoping to get more science and math lessons in the future. I'm just, my background is history and English. So that's just more easy for me to create lessons for. Yeah, I can definitely feel for you there. <laughs> a lot of my lessons, or I guess all my lessons are lang- language-based. So it's, and I feel like yeah. <laughs> with language-based games, I think we have a little bit more unique advantage where almost anything can apply to some aspect of language learning. Every time I'm playing a game, I'm like, oh, I want to take this section and use it in my class. So do any of, I know the the site's relatively new, but has anyone adapted any of your lessons? Have you heard back from any teachers who have used any of your materials? I haven't heard of anyone adapted or modified. I did hear that one teacher used the game Papers, Please in the lesson that I used. Um, although they had said that they use it in a more small group setting of about five students. And they said that it went well. I have heard back that a lot of teachers will probably start using some of these in the upcoming school year because I published this, the schedule. I published the website in March and at, by that point, your unit plans are pretty much set in stone and the curriculum is not really going to change that much. Um, so hopefully come September, I'll start getting, I'll start hearing from teachers about how it went in their classes and some feedback and some changes that can be made. I know some, I know some of the teachers in my school where I teach have said that they will try some stuff in the upcoming school year. Yeah, I think summertime's always, I mean, as teachers, we, we try to relax, but we're always on the hunt for new materials for the upcoming year. So I hopefully, hopefully some of the listeners for the show here will, will check out the site. I think they will definitely, I mean, I've been looking at it and if I had the opportunity to, I would definitely use some of these materials in my, my class. Yeah, I hope so. They, in my, in my experience, they go really well. So I, I'd love to see and hear from other teachers because this is also, I mean, game-based learning, game-based learning in general is still a relatively new concept, um, especially with video games. So I would just, I'd love to hear how it goes with other people because at this point, I don't know anyone else who uses video games in their classrooms. Yeah, I know. I mean, game-based learning is, I think it's, I, I really enjoy adapting game-based learning or gamification to my lessons. And I do see a lot of motivation in my students when I do. And I kind of want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, and it's more of a fun question. How do you decide what student gets to play you in Smash Brothers? This is a fun one. Just because, So I just, I happen to be 
really, really good at Super Smash Brothers. It's just one of the games that I grew up playing days and days and days and days against my brother. So I play a lot with my students after school. So for this lesson, right, I wanted to choose, I wanted someone who already knew how to play the game, which in each of my classes, I already knew who that student was. So I pretty much chose a student who's good at the game, who I knew would beat me if I had rigged the game against myself. Because um, if a student doesn't know how to play the game, then I would still end up winning. So they'd win, but then after that, we'd set the game back to normal, to even the playing field, so that then I would defeat that student in class to show how the graph that we created wasn't true, that, I would, uh, that they were not the better player, I was the better player. And it's so much fun having an entire class of students watch their teacher destroy another student in a video game. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, talk about engagement. That's definitely going to be something that I think students will be <laughs> motivated to watch. But I think, I think you, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think you touch on a good point too, that like games have that opportunity to develop a student teacher relationship that some aspects of learning aren't able to do. I mean, you talk about battlefield and if I were a student in your class and I had the opportunity to play that game or another game that you introduced in the class and I have played that game in the past right there. I'm already like more interested in my teacher and more open to learning, I think. Right. And it helps like, especially with, with the boys in my class, right. They look, most of them love video games. So immediately it grabs their attention. And then for most of the girls, I'm trying to get them to, to be, to play more. Um, Cause most of them are from countries where they either didn't have video games or video games weren't for girls, right? And that's not, and I'm trying to break those stereotypes, like, no, anyone can play these. So in class, right, if I'm not choosing, I'll rotate and make sure that students from every single different country that I have in the room will get an opportunity to play, that both boys and girls are getting an opportunity to play. Because really, a lot of this is, it's new. Some of them have never touched a video game before in their life. Right, I think, I know recently... I'm not sure how recent, maybe it's it's uh, maybe 10 years now that girls actually play games or females play games more often than males. And I wonder, you could look into what, what types of games they play and see if that could be adapted into the class too. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully if I can start teaching about video games as like an industry, I can get into those conversations more often. Right. Yeah. So would you say that it's a lot of work to put these lesson plans together? I think it's really great that a teacher can go on and adapt or use your materials that you've already created. But what if a teacher maybe is playing a game and like, wow, this would be great to use in my class. How do you decide how to adapt it to your learning environment and what are kind of the steps you take? And is it a lot of work? It's, I wouldn't say difficult work because it's, the games are something that I'm just familiar with at this point. It is, it's time consuming playing through a game, potentially playing through it a second time. So to make sure that I know every single detail and different parts, um, there's also many different games at different endings, um, and putting together the lesson plan and the worksheets. Uh, but I enjoy doing it. Um, I can see it being a little difficult to adapt because I'm creating these lessons in the mindset of someone trying to teach 
content and his and English as a second language. Um, but I don't I I can see most of these being modified to most grade levels, regardless if the students are English language learners or students who are born and raised in the United States or other countries elsewhere. Because I've I've heard people from other countries mes- message me telling me how they plan on using some of these lessons. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't think about that because when I when I use board games, I have to play through the game several times to understand the rules to be able to explain it to my to my language learners in an easier way to digest for someone where English isn't their main language. But you have to you have to play through a 20 hour video game a couple times before you really know how it can be maybe adapted to your class. I haven't done a game that long yet so like even battlefield since the lesson's only based on the first mission of the game the first mission is only about 15 minutes so i can play through that a couple of times um and then most of the other games are really around three hours long so it's not too grueling for me to go through a second time or a third time i try to keep i'm trying to find games that are shorter since that it'll make it more accessible to classrooms yeah that's right i guess i've been out of the the video game hobby a little bit. I I try to pick up the Switch or PS4 when I can, but like games like Gris, that's a really short one, right? I mean, it's a few hours long. Yeah, it's only about two and a half hours. I think the longest one I have here is Valiant Hearts, The Great War, which regardless of learning, that game is amazing. And it's beautifully um, drawn. It's like the entire game looks like a painting and it's all about World War One. I think it was made in collaboration with organizations and museums that deal with World War One history. So it actually, it's really teaching you about World War One as you play. And it's only about, I think it's about five hours long. Yeah, that's not not too bad at all. Five hours being the, long, the longest. So before we get into the final segment question, what types of games are you currently playing? What maybe can we expect to see as a lesson plan on your site in the future? Yeah, so right now I'm playing through Assassin's Creed Odyssey which anyone who's familiar with the Assassin's Creed franchise, it always plops you in some historical setting, be it ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, the Middle East, and Jerusalem. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey in particular is Greece. And while I wouldn't play the normal game with them because it's pretty extraordinarily violent, um, something that Ubisoft, the, the developer and publisher for these games, does is a museum tour mode. Um, so it's not available for Assassin's Creed Odyssey yet, but what they did in the previous game in ancient Egypt is you can choose a place in the game's map. So you can choose a section in Cairo. And instead of playing the game per se, you go on a tour to historical landmarks and they give you just like in a museum a brief summary of what this place was, what these people did, what this thing represents. And they've announced that they plan on bringing this to Assassin's Creed Odyssey for Ancient Greece. So once that happens, I'd love to make a lesson for global history for people studying Ancient Greece. And you can just take the character, put them actually in the city or place and go for a walk to these different landmarks and actually learn about learn about Greece through this game. It's like a virtual simulation. I loved Assassin Cre- Assassin's Creed. I, I actually really don't like single player campaign games but that's one that i ended up playing through i don't remember which one it was i think it was maybe the second one on 
PS3, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it was the one in uh, Rome, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right, in Rome. Um, and I would say that was one game that actually helped me learn a little bit about the history at that point. And it touches on a little bit of like tangential learning where we're discovering history in the game that sparks our interest and to learn more about it. Yeah, that would be, that'd be really cool too. Even if, even if it's not 100% historically accurate, it at least gets you interested and then you can start doing your own research. Right, and I think that's I, that adds learning value too in comparing and contrasting the differences between what the game presents and or a movie presents and historical accuracy of that. So we're going to go into our final segment, and this is a question for you. And if you want to, we can you can throw in some video games. But if you are stuck stuck on a deserted island. What three board games or video games would you bring? Okay, so for a board game, hopefully I have some, I have a couple people on the island with me to play Codenames with. Um, I mentioned it before, that's just currently the board game that I'm playing most with my group of friends. Um, and I don't have, I have not played many other board games recently. Um, I do hope to start playing more. I know Board Game Cafe just opened up, uh, down the road from me, where they just have hundreds of board games available and you can go get a cup of coffee while you play. So, I will try to do that more often. Um, in terms of some video games, definitely Super Smash Brothers. That game, I probably, I've, I've played that more than anything else. And I'm not giving that up anytime soon. And then this last one, it's hard to choose. My favorite franchise is the Legend of Zelda series. Um, so I, I'm split between Ocarina of Time on the N64, since that is the game that got me into gaming in general. And the most recent one, Breath of the Wild, is that game you can just sink hundreds and hundreds of hours in, into, and it still feels fresh every single time you play We'll let you take the the whole series onto the island with you. Oh, thank you. You're so gracious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Codename, Super Smash Brothers, and the Legend of Zelda series. I did try the Breath of Wild, but again, I just struggle to play campaign games. That's so fair. I played for a few <laughs> hours, and it is uh, it's a blast. Like it is a lot of fun. And I can see why people enjoy it, but. I think that's why I gravitate towards board games because you need you need people to play with, and they don't they don't make couch co-ops like they used to. Uh, Nintendo's still trying to keep that there. The newest Mario Party was okay. It's not not like the classics, but it it was decent. And Mario Kart is still as amazing as as ever. I did get I got Splatoon, and I was really excited to play that couch co-op. But then after I got it, I realized oh, it's not it's not couch co-op. All right, Zach, thank you again for coming on the show. Before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you, where your site is, and if you have anything coming up to let us know? Yeah, so website's Hey Listen Games, um, heylistengames.com. I do have an Instagram and Twitter. I do not use either of them frequently at all, but I'm there if you need to contact me or see if I'm posting anything. The Instagram's at at heylistengames. 
and Twitter is at underscore Hey Listen Games because apparently someone has that name already on Twitter. Oh no! Yeah, and they have, and that that account's been unused for five years. <laughs> and then, in terms of upcoming projects, I'm working with my principal to actually create an elective class next year focused on video games. It would be an English cl- an English language arts class um, where the video games are the text that we would quote unquote read in class, which I'm super excited to see that pan out. And I'll be talking about that at length on my website as it gets going. And I am working with another organization. Um, I'll give them a shout out called I thrive games where I'm working with them to pilot uh, and create a unit with video games based on resilience and problem solving. Cause I know they deal with a lot of how to use video games for socio-emotional health. That's awesome. I think that one thing that's super cool, you mentioned the language arts, what games are moving more into is, as, or at least people are starting to consider it more as an art form. And I, I just love that. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, Zach, thank you again for sharing your insights. And I imagine, I know our listeners will find this valuable and we'll definitely check out your site at Hey, listen, games. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was very informative. I, ho- I hope to do more things like this in the future. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.